Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh. kicked the goal from inside the centre. Yes, hello and welcome to the SC Playbook AFL podcast for another week. My name is Eddie. I'll be running you through things today, um, but helping me out, as always, uh, one of the great super coaches of all time, in my opinion anyway, uh, Stevie Nico, coach of Lovsky FC, overall runner-up 2021. Nico, how are you feeling? Run me through it. How's your week been? Oh, hey, Eddie. Um, caught COVID, so it's been a, an interesting week. I'm, I'm a little bit under the weather still. Um, energy levels are quite low, but we'll power through the podcast, and at least I had some time to watch some footy, so that's a positive. Yeah, anything for Supercoach, eh? Pushing through, helping us out. Love to see it. <laughs> um, and I'm also very pleased to have on today the Supercoach Bandit, who's been doing just some excellent work over on Twitter, um, researching all the Supercoach stats for this preseason that you need. Bandit, how are you going? Very well, boys. Nothing like a bit of Sunday research to uh, get you back in the mood for round one, which is uh, fast approaching now. But uh, yeah, Nico, sorry you've uh, caught the COVID. Nothing like a bit of super coach, though, to, uh, to fix you up, hopefully. Uh, Nico, I'm going to actually start with you this week because clearly you've had a bit of time on your hands. So I want to know, give me one thing that stood out to you the most out of this week's practice games. We've finally got some decent um, television crews there. We've got decent stats. We know exactly what's going on. We can see roles. What's one thing that stood out to you from this weekend's games? Uh, the one thing that sort of hit me between the eyes was Patrick Cripps and, and his display um, seems to be absolutely back to his prime best, kick four goals. I don't think that's sustainable. Uh, but he scored 157. Very exciting for Blues fans. If they can get him back up and about and at his best, week in, week out, then they're going to be playing finals, I reckon. And what about you, Bandit? Is there anything that... Obviously, there's a lot to look at, which we'll, we'll go through sort of game by game. But there, is there any one big takeaway that, that changed the shape of your team or changed the way you were looking at Supercoach this season? Uh, probably the uh, the mid prices, those guys sort of in between 200 and 300k, I think have sort of um, rose to prominence a bit more for me. Um, obviously, with you know we haven't got those uh, those sort of bargain basement rookies that we've probably had in in years gone by. So I think a lot of people are starting to tweak their teams a little bit more to cater for some more guys in that um, sort of two to 300k range. So uh, that's been a, a focus for me over this weekend is sort of earmarking guys who you know could be in that price range who could. You know, make that 150k that we sort of look for from from those mid-price sort of players. So uh, they're the ones that I've been focusing on over the course of the weekend. Fantastic. Well, Nico, you you started by mentioning Paddy Cripps, and he was just fantastic on Friday night. Um, 157 Super Coach points. Um, you mentioned he was just fantastic everywhere across the ground. 31 disposals, 13 contested possessions, 10 clearances, four goals. Um, is that enough for you to, to start thinking seriously about having him in your team or is it still a little bit pie in the sky at this point? Not seriously. Um, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing to look at um, for your teams. I just, yeah, he's at that price point where I just think it's a little bit too risky if it fails. Uh, so I'm just going to stick to, you know, the bona fide uh, cream of the crop in the middle there. What else stood out to you from the, the Melbourne um, Carlton game, Bandit? Was there guys like Adam Chera, George Hewitt, did they do enough to, to play themselves into the mix? Yeah, George Hewitt's one I'm looking at very closely at the moment at uh, about 399k in defence. Uh, his role looks really solid at the moment with obviously Sam Walsh not in that team. He's attending a lot of centre bounces. So 
that's a big tick for him. And a couple of um, mid-price options from the D sort of put their hands up as well. Jake Bowie, uh, he's a 265K defender. Look good with 22 touches, albeit with, albeit with no uh, no Christian Salem in the team. Um, and Tom Sparrow was the other one. Uh, looks like he's settled nicely into that sort of second midfield rotation. He attended 11 centre bounces, which was actually the fifth highest in the team behind uh, Oliver, Petrarca, Gorn and uh, Viney. So... If you're looking for another um, another cheap sort of forward option, he's definitely one that I'd be that I'd be looking at quite closely because his role looks um, looks quite solid. Now, one guy that we've we've all had a little bit of a laugh at this preseason, um, he's come back to bite all of us on the behind. Not not least of all me, who's been slagging him off in every single podcast. But Mitch McGovern, talk to me about him, Nico. What what did you see on Friday night? Because I know he really caught your eye. He did. He did catch my eye. He. Marked everything, so he playing the intercept role. He was he was clunking them. He was very good on the left and the right side of his body by foot and by hand. He just looked really solid. looked looked a, a absolute ready made defender um, back there. So he only played sixty two percent of the match and he scored a hundred. So there's room for improvement there as well. So lots of positives, lots to like from his game. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's the intercept that intercepting role is so crucial for defenders, and and he seems to have it. He, he he's got that McGovern ability to just move his body in the air, despite looking sort of out of place in many ways, many times. But yeah, he looked fantastic. I was really impressed with him. He's he's made his way into my team, which is a sentence I never ever thought I'd say. But he's in there at the moment. And the one more story of the night was uh, Corey Durden. Um, who was a pretty popular little forward option. Um, he kicked two goals in the first quarter, but then left with a calf issue. Um, and I, I personally haven't been able to find any information about that. I don't know if either I of think, you two have. I think it was just a knock and he should be right for round one, Eddie. So he, I've still got him in my team. Great. Yeah, we're, we're absolutely desperate for forward rookies, so I'm not surprised. Um, the next, second game of the round was uh, the Brisbane Lions versus the Bulldogs. Um, the Lions got up by six points. Um, for most... For, in most parts, I think this is almost business as usual. This game, I don't think I personally saw anything out of it that I didn't expect. Bandit, did anything? Did anything pop out of this game at you? Uh, look, not really. I think, like you said, you know, there wasn't much to be gained from the top end. The likes of McRae, Neil, um, Bont, Dunkley, Lions—they were all really solid. Had a had a pretty good hit out from what from what I could see. Um, Jared Berry again had another pretty promising outing, so he's locked in for for me. Um, Chalor and English were, were the interesting ones, I think, out of this game. If you were going to sort of look a little bit below the the surface of the of the premium level guys, um, Chalor attended a lot of centre bounces. So um, you know maybe with Josh Bruce out of that forward line, maybe they're looking to deploy um, Bontempelli in a bit more of a, a forward role this year, like we've seen Geelong try to do with with Dangerfield. So. Um, maybe that opens a few more opportunities up for up for Trelaw in that midfield. He sort of was on the perimeter a little bit last year, out on the wing and a half forward. So, um, you know, if he's if he's back in the middle, um, I think he's all of a sudden very relevant. You know, he, yes, he obviously carries some injury risk, but um, you know, if he's attending a you know ten to fifteen centre bounces a game, um, you know, that makes him pretty appealing. I think. Nico, anything anything pop out from this game apart from um, the uh, the devastation of losing uh, Coleman to that little hammy injury? He was on forty and in thirty percent game time, he was going well. Um, but yeah, that that was that was a little heartbreaking. I did note that the players coming out of this game said that they haven't played a, a tougher practice match before. So this game was um, you know really high intense uh, and contested. So much like it's going to be in round one. So it was a really good hit out for both teams. Um, just the the usual guys: Jack McRae, one thirty eight. Dunks one twenty, just absolute locks. Throw away the key and Barry eighty two. Pretty happy with that as well. 
Yeah, very happy with Barry. I think Trelaw, you touched on Bandit. Um, I think both of you last week were a little bit um, off him when we spoke about forwards. Has this changed anything in your mind, particularly about whether you, you look to start with him and Dunkley or, or him instead of Dunkley? I personally can't squeeze him in at the moment. Um, obviously, just having to sort of reallocate some some cash to, to other areas of the ground to sort of shore that up, particularly in defence where, you know, the rookies are probably a little bit thinner in terms of those sort of really um, bargain basement um, prices. So I haven't been able to squeeze him in myself. Um, but, yeah, very, very close watch on him um, as an early upgrade potentially. If he's going to be, like I said, if he's attending centre bounces, you know, that's really the role that he was playing at Collingwood before he moved across to the dogs. So um, we know what he's capable of from a super coach point of view when he's when he's in there. So, yeah, he's a big watch for me. Uh, not for me, Eddie. I think he's been sent for scans on his shoulder. So that injury risk is just too high for me to consider him. Yeah, that seems to be a pretty common sentiment, Nico. I, I won't be starting with him at either at this point. But, um, yeah, depending on the results of that injury, I imagine it'll be quite popular. Um, the next game we got to see was Hawthorne-Richmond. Um, the Hawks are not a very good football team, um, but they are very super coach relevant. Uh, the one, well, the, the major shining light, I guess, was Josh Ward, who churned out 124 super coach points on 29 disposals. And he looks just ready-made, built for AFL. I've had to do some some reshuffling in that midfield to, to make sure that he's he's in there. Are you guys are you guys locking him in, Nico? Is he now in your team as well? Yeah, you're not the only one. I moved things around to get him in. So 67% time on ground for 124 is absolutely huge. So... He just, yeah, as you said, looks ready-made and he'll be getting a gig round one. Yeah, Bandit, have you have you had to get him as him in as well? Yeah, he was in my team uh, before the weekend. Um, but obviously with his performance, you have to bear in mind that both Tom Mitchell and Jago Mira were both absent from that midfield. So he did do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of the centre bounces, obviously um, attended 17 um, centre bounces, which is obviously great numbers for a, for a kidney's first year. But, um, yeah, just bear in mind that he probably won't see that much centre bounce action with uh, with Titch and O'Meara back in that team. Um, just from another rookie point of view, um, Finn McGuinness um, played 83% of the game, only scored 50, but, you know, I think that time on ground is probably positive. Um, whether he stays in the team when Mitchell and O'Meara come back is the, is the big question. He may get squeezed out, but... I think he's definitely going to see some some game time later in the year, potentially. If he's not starting round one, um, I think we'll definitely see him um, for an extended period later in the year, potentially. He's been on the list for a couple of years now as a father-son. So, um, you know, Hawthorne really need to find out if he's going to um, make the grade, I guess. So, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll see some of him this year. Yeah, Connor McDonald, another one of those young Hawks who looked really impressive too. He's a classy user of the ball. Um, I think what Sam Mitchell said after the game was telling. He says the players absolutely love playing with him. They love him as a person. And um, I think he's a very good chance of playing round one as well. So that that could be a good option to have those two Hawks young midfielders um, starting on your midfield or on your midfield bench. Um, one I wanted to talk to you about, uh, Nico, that you've, you've been hot on a lot of this preseason is Hugo Ralph-Smith. Um, who the Richmond rebounding defender, he's sort of fighting out for that rebounding role with uh, Rioli. So, yeah, talk to me about him. What do you think about him? Yeah, look, he did pretty well. I think he scored 70-odd. Um, he just didn't fill me with a hell of a lot of confidence, so I'm sort of leaning towards not starting him now. I'm a little bit unsure as to what direction Hardwick is going to take and who he's going to give that role to. So I think there's just a little bit of uncertainty. And with the other guys that have put their hand up in the forward line in that sort of same price range, I think they're a little bit safer to, to go with. Yeah, what do you think, Bandit? Yeah, he's a bit of a bit of a tricky one, isn't he? I mean, he's shown the capability that he can score well. Obviously, scored seventy two on the weekend from eighty five percent time on ground, so that's a that's a positive. Um, but yeah, it's probably a question of 
you know, can he do that week in, week out? Um, he had a bit of a taste of AFL action last year, but um, yeah, it's just it's just a hard one. Uh, Richmond is such a an even team; they're going to rely on you know anywhere from sort of twenty five to thirty blokes across the across the season to to get them into the top four, and and he's definitely part of that. But it's a question of you know, is he going to play um, you know ten games in a row to start the season? And I'm just not quite sure that he's in that he's in that bracket yet. So. Um, yes, yeah, he's definitely a watch, but you know I'm still not 100% confident. Yeah, I think I'm with you. And um, when when we have so many of those 200 to 300k forward rookies, you're going to have to be selective. Otherwise, you're going to end up picking all five of them. So I think for me, he's he's the one sort of on the outer looking in. Um, but if he does maintain that sort of halfback rebounding role, he's going to be he's going to be hard to ignore. Um, the Crows and Port Adelaide faced off in another showdown, um, Richmond Oval. Uh, I didn't watch this game personally. I've been looking at the stats, though. The thing that stood out majorly was uh, Zach Butters again. Um, I'd be surprised if, if he's not in a lot of teams. Nico, you've been on him since day one. Talk to me. Yeah, he's getting the ball. He's getting the ball all over the ground. He's using it well. He scored 1-1-4 on the weekend. There's just really not any knocks at the moment. He, he, he'll all, there's even word coming out of, you know, the, the training camp that he's playing like Gary Ebler Jr. at the moment, like in training and stuff. Like it's, there's raps there. All the noise is really, really loud and strong. I think it'd be silly not to start him. Yeah, I agree. Um, Bandit, did you get a chance to look at this game and did you have a look at any of the rookies in particular? Josh Rochelle, Josh Sin, um, Jackson Mead were probably the three main ones. Did any of those uh, do anything that caught your eye? Yeah, I caught most of the second half of this game. Um, Rochelle, he's, he's a lock. He's going to play you know, 20 to 22 games for the Crows this year. And, and Matthew Nix probably admitted as much post-match in his presser when he said that he's uh, probably in their best uh, starting 18, which is, um, you know, as much indication as you need to, to lock him in and throw away the key. Um, the the Port rookies, uh, they just concern me a little bit. I, I was hoping to see more out of Josh Sin in particular. Um, you know, he had uh, only 43% time on ground, um, only touched it eight times, so that's a bit of a worry for me. Um, and Jackson Mead was a, a bit the same; had had a bit more time on ground at sixty three percent, but just the eight touches that's a bit of a a bit of a worry for me. I'm not sure we can trust these guys to to be there round one now, even though that um, they did get some game time on the weekend. I'm just not sure they're in the best in the best twenty two. That one of those guys might be a a sub at some point early in the season, which could um, which could ruin their cash generation if um, if they do play early on. Um, the one that stood out to me was a bit left field, actually. I hadn't sort of looked at this guy um, much at all previously, but Jed McKenzie from Port Adelaide is 123k mid forward, uh, played 80% game time, uh, had 13 touches and a goal for, for 58 super coach points. Um, he's definitely someone who I think is now in the frame, especially with with Robbie Gray having a bit of a hamstring issue during the game. Um, he's perhaps someone that could um, that could sort of come from nowhere, I guess, and, and find himself in the team for round one. So I'll definitely keep an eye on um, Robbie Gray's progress over the next couple of weeks with that with that hammy because um, Jed McKenzie might be, the, um, might be the guy that steps up into that sort of, um, you know, that forward pocket rotates through the midfield a little bit role. Um, Nico, we're, fa- we're absolutely fanging for defensive rookies. Is Mitch Hinge going to play round one, do you think? I think he will. I don't think he's going to score brilliantly. He only got 64 on the weekend. I'd be happy with that, though. I'd be yep. happy to lock in with anything sort of above that 60-point range from a rookie. Definitely. Uh, especially in defense where it's kind of looking dire at the moment. I think the big one to take out of this was Laird's injury. Mm. He's broken his hand and he's going to be out for six weeks. So there might be a, a rookie like um, Sandy Glow or someone who steps up and potentially takes his place. So one to watch there. 
For sure. Um, moving on to Saturday night, my Bombers uh, got done by St Kilda. A couple of really promising little uh, super coach outings from a couple of the Bombers boys, though. Um, the major one, really, for me, uh, was Nick Martin, who came on at half time and had 50 super coach points and a half, and I think may have played himself into a round, a round one spot, which is very surprising. So he's going to be a nice little handy forward rookie if he plays. Um, same with Kane Baldwin, who also looked reasonable. He's not going to score well. Um, he's basically playing that key forward, Kale Hooker sort of role that Hooker's played in years past, so he's not going to score well, but he's a warm body if you need it. Um, in terms of on the St Kilda side of things, did you see anything out of this bandit um, that you liked? Uh, I really like the look of Jack Hayes. Um, he is the uh, the ruck forward that the Saints have been promising to sort of sign for the last three or four weeks now, I think, and everyone's been sort of calling out for it, and they finally uh, pulled the trigger last week, I think it was. So it was great to, to get a look at him uh, in the flesh. I, I watched most of this game, so had a good chance to, to see him, and, and I liked what I saw. I thought he had some really nice moments. He played more as a forward than a than a ruckman. Marshall was taking most of the centre bounces in, in this game, but he um, gave Marshall a chop out for... For a few, um, but yeah, popped up with twelve disposals, kicked a nice goal after winning a, a tackle inside fifty there. So um, yeah, I like the look of, of Hayes. I think he's a bit of a prospect for the Saints. The the one sort of um, asterisk we need to put on him is is Paddy Ryder and how how far away he is. Um, all the talk is that if uh, if Ryder can get through um, the next couple of weeks without a, a setback, um, then he should be playing round one, and that probably pushes Hayes out of the team, unfortunately. So. Uh, I think Hayes is definitely someone you could consider for your R3 because I think he will play um, during the year at, at some point in time and that would definitely be a, a welcome news for, for super coaches who have uh, had few and far between uh, 102K rookies at, uh, at this point in the year. Um, and then just from a mid-price point of view, uh, Jay Gresham um, made a successful return, um, looked pretty good, had uh, 18 touches and a goal from uh, 77% time on ground and also scored uh, 77 super coach points. So... Uh, yeah, if you're looking to start him, he's a bit risky for, for me. I'm just not convinced he's going to be able to do that week in, week out just yet. But, you know, if you like to live on the uh, adventurous side of life, then he's definitely someone you can uh, you can look at for your forward line. Yeah, I, I agree re- uh, regarding Hayes. I really enjoyed his game. Um, I couldn't believe it. I looked him up afterwards. He's only 193 centimetres, and he definitely competes like he's about 10 centimetres taller than that. He jumps, he runs. Uh, he is a good player. You're right. Ryder is going to... It's going to probably keep him out of the team to start with anyway. But um, when he, yeah, if he does get his chance, he's going to be good at AFL level. Um, on the bomber side of things, Jordan Ridley, 99 super coach. He's got that. I'm just starting to have a little wavering doubt about Ridley. Um, Nico, can you talk me into it? Can you talk me out of it? For me, I want to see him take kickouts, and I don't think he's really taken many of them. So I think his scoring is going to be uh, a little bit capped as a result. So I'm happy to look elsewhere for the time being, personally. Yeah, I'm sort of starting to lead towards Lockie Whitfield, um, which I was pretty keen on not doing for most of this preseason. But yeah, you're right. The lack of kickouts, it's just free points that he's not getting that that others in that position are getting. Um, nothing really more super coach relevant out of this game. Um, there was, um, before we... Before we move on, Eddie, there was a couple of injuries to the Saners, so Hunter Clark and Jack Billings. Um, so it might open a door for someone like Owens. So just keep an eye out for that one. Yeah, young Machito Owens, um, one of the great names, actually. I like that, Machito. It's got a bit about it. Um, Nico, your boys, Collingwood, GWS. Talk to me about mm. Collingwood. Yeah, they started off all right, uh, faded. Um, but there was definitely some positives to take out of it. Nick Dacos just looked absolutely phenomenal coming off, Did he ever? off half-back. So he's just so clean. His vision's so good. He sets up the play really well. He reads the play well. So, yeah, very happy uh, with him. Um, 
other other things on the Collingwood side, Grundy once again looked really good and looks to be you know back to his you know 120 average kind of kind of ways. Crisp once again looked really good. It was good to see Dugowie come back, even though he only scored 74. Was you know probably about 70 odd percent game time. Probably played a little bit more than and what the coaching panels sort of wanted him to. But yeah, he looked okay, and hopefully that was just a, you know blow the cobwebs out kind of performance and head into round one. Bandit, talk to me about GWS. Yeah, well, not heaps to sort of take out of GWS. I don't think it was sort of the usual suspects um, doing the job for them. Josh Kelly was was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, you sort of expected that from him given the the sort of lack of depth that Collingwood have got in their, in their mids at the moment. They were playing a few a few kids through that area of the ground and Kelly sort of took full toll on those on those guys, but he's he's absolutely a pod that you could consider if you if you're not looking to sort of stump up the 600k for um you know your Steels, your Millers, your your Olivers. He's absolutely someone that I think you could put in that next bracket just underneath them. Um, you know we've seen what a what a massive ceiling he's got. Um, so you know if you're looking for um, someone a little, a little left of center, he's definitely one that you could consider. Um, Cogs was was great. I think he's locked um, himself into most people's teams, so he's a pretty low risk selection as we touched on last week. Um, and Proust was quite good as well. Um, mm, he's, he's, I, know he's tempted, I know we can uh, we can we can talk about this a little bit more now, but um, yeah, he, his role um, was a bit more of a second ruck. Um, looked like Flynn was taking more of the ruck contests um, throughout the game, and um, Proust was perhaps playing a bit more as that sort of forward rough option for the Giants, but um, yeah, obviously still play very well and he's going to um, yeah, go and attempt a lot of people, no doubt, to either play him at R2 or, or even R3. Yeah, I'm, I'm very tempted by Bruce and he was one I was going to ask you about. I didn't get to watch the game, but those stats are very, very enticing. He had um, 102 super coach points from just 78% game time. So um, all he really needs to do is knock Matt Flynn out the way and, and he's golden, really. So that was really good to see. Um, Lockie Whitfield, we touched on, um, he had another decent game, 96 super coach points. Um, he's starting to become a little bit... Uh, he feels a bit safer at this point than some of the other options. Um, on the Collingwood side of things, Braden Maynard um, mm. hit uh, – who did he hit? Jay, uh, Sam Lloyd after the play, um, and he's going to miss a couple of weeks, I would, I dare say. So have you had him in his in your plans? Yeah. Forget about it. There's a bit of talk about it. he got the ball first, but I don't know if it matters if it. you take the guy out at the same time. So, no. yeah. Pat Lipinski as well uh, rolled an ankle. I don't know if you've heard anything about this, Nico, but um, there was some uh, worrying chatter about it being syndesmosis. It looked more like an mm. ankle roll. I'm no doctor, but it did look like it was more an ankle roll than a foot thing. But um, still, still waiting on scans. I think with that one. Yeah, we are. Um, and moving on to, we'll fly through these last two. Sydney North Melbourne. Um, Horn Francis was fantastic again. Um, he, I, yeah. A, I'm going to ask you about guys about this a little bit later, but uh, he he's just making things. Those other rookie midfield options are making things a little trickier with Horn Francis, but he did do he did do a lot in this game. Tristan Cherry is one that uh, we were discussing in our uh, in our chat on Facebook. Um, Nico, do you are you tempted by him at all? I am tempted. Yeah, it looks like he's the first ruck. So Goldie looks to be playing second fiddle at the minute. So if that stays, and if if you know the coaching staff come out and say, yeah, Cherry's our number one. He's going to be pretty hard not to pick as a 200k forward, and he looked, yeah, he looked really good. Um, what about you, Bandit? What stood out from uh, the Swans North game? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on um, Sherry as well. I think his his role looks looks quite good if he is pushing Goldie out of that number one spot. Um, yeah, he's definitely, I think, worth a look at sort of that 208k 
um, forward. I think he's definitely one that you could um, throw into your team. He's a little bit cheaper than, you know, your Cogs and your your Rainers and those sorts of guys. So um, definitely along the same lines with, with you guys there. Um, from the Swan side of things, I thought Paddy McCartan looked really good. Looks to have cemented his spot in, in defence. He actually played over 90% of the game and, and actually scored quite well. So um, he looks to be a reasonable defence and, and forward option for us now. Uh, Dylan Stevens looked, looked quite good as well. Played 83% of the game and attended a handful of, of centre bounces as well. So um, all the talk out of the Swans is that they want to give him a bit more um, opportunity this year through the midfield. And I think that we saw that on the weekend. So um, wasn't too concerned with just the 60-odd points from him um, in terms of super coach. I, just, I was looking for that role to be, to be secure and it looks like it is. So um, he's another midfield option that you can um, throw into that rookie mix. The Isaac Heaney trap was, has been set again with a 113, so <laughs> good to see that. Um, you Mill, <laughs> Mills was, um, boy, he was good. He scored 85 in 41% time on ground. Wow. If he could get his body right, boy, would he be a pick. Um, Lloyd on the other yeah, side of things was just okay. Lloyd. Yeah, 82, gave away two free kicks. He doesn't you know normally do that. Didn't seem to have a monopoly of the kickouts, which mm. is a little bit concerning, so... Yeah, I think I still have, I think I still have faith in him. Um, you know, to be absolutely in the top six defenders, so I think I might stick with him. Yeah, fair enough. Moving on to the last game of the round, Frio West Coast. Um, Frio, I thought we we're going to win this game easily. They didn't. One I want to play, I want to talk to both of you about off the bat is Tim Kelly, 119 Super Coach in 76% game time. Um, the Eagles just don't have anybody to run through that midfield. He is their midfield at the moment. Um, Bandit. He's he's going to be a pretty popular pick after this, I think. I'm I'm certainly looking at him in in that Neil spot instead of Neil. Um, are you are you tempted at all? Um, look, I'm probably not, mainly for that reason that he just has no support around him at the moment. You know, guys like Shuey, Sheed, Yo, you know, these sorts of really experienced guys just won't be there for the for the short term. And as a result, you know, he opens himself up to a tag, which we've seen, you know, other teams implement it pretty effectively on him in the past. They're able to put the brakes on him a little bit. Um, and also Nick Nat, if Nick Nat goes down, then, you know, it's a question of, you know, how much service is, is he going to get in that midfield? So um, he's probably not someone I'd consider for classic. If, if you've got a draft coming up in the next week or, or so, I'd be definitely looking at him as a, as a late round pick. I think he's been, I think he'd be an excellent pick in, in draft. Um, but yeah, for classic, there's just a couple of question marks there that I'm not not 100 sold on. He scored 119, 16 contested possession. He only went at 56 percent efficiency. If that was mm. higher, he would have scored an absolute monster score. So I can definitely see the appeal there, um, but have to agree with Bandit. Definitely more of a draft option for me. Nico, what about Will Brody? Um, came across from the Gold Coast Suns. He scored not 100 super coach points in 67 percent game time. Looked fantastic. Did you watch it, and, and what have you got? What have you got for us about Brody? I watched a bit of it. Yeah, he looked to have a good role. It's, it's back-to-back hundreds now in, in the preseason games. It's just how do you fit him in? Like you can't fit them all in. So there's still five to come back in to that team. How does that affect his midfield minutes and his you know centre bouncer tenancies? So there's still a few question marks there. Uh, he is looking really, really good though. Um, no, no knock on anyone picking him up. I just don't know if I'll do it yet. Fair enough. Um, now, if you want to get more of this discussion like this between us, uh, just chatting things together, we've got a premium uh, subscription cell for the SC Playbook website. Basically, if you're after premium content, sign up to SC Playbook. It's $30 for our entire content library for the 2022 AFL season or $40 for the full package covering AFL, NRL, BBL, 
gives you access to stacks of extra articles every week, um, entry into our exclusive WhatsApp group where we chat about Supercoach constantly. Um, but if you're not interested in the premium sell, don't worry, we've got stacks of free content to rummage through as well. So just head to the scplaybook.com.au website and check things out. Nico and Bannon have both been writing some fantastic articles of late. Um, boys, I wanted you to come to this pod today with the the big question. I want one question from each of you that's just giving you so much trouble, that's keeping you up at night, that's giving you even worse headaches than you've currently got, Nico. Um, what what is what is the one thing that you just can't make up your mind about so far this preseason? Mine's the the ruck dilemma. So yeah, do we play Bruce at R two? Do we try and find the money to get him at R three? Do we then change our structure so that we only have eleven premiums instead of twelve? So these are the kind of things that I'm thinking of. The reason for the eleven primo chat is because the people that have put their hands up and have shown to be decent super coach picks are all inflated prices. So we don't have, apart from a few guys from the, uh, the West coast, you know, maybe putting their hands up at around that sort of 102 K range, like Hugh Dixon we really don't have a lot. Um, and it's just sort of, it's putting a strain uh, on our starting lineups and it's becoming actually really difficult to pick a starting team. So your essentially your question is, what do we do with that Ruck 2, R2 slash R3 spot? Um, I currently have Bruce in R2 and I've had him in for most of the preseason and it's only been solidified by that performance um, yesterday. I just think having that amount of cash frees you up so much elsewhere. We've been discussing offline the importance of, of being dictated to by having your structure dictated to by your the amount of rookies available um, and there just aren't forward rookies we can't you can't not, not going to be able to expect to pay 120 grand and get a decent forward rookie this season you're going to have to pay up to that 200 range so i just think having that having that extra couple of hundred k that Proust gives you um when he could be scoring semi-decently it, it's a really attractive option bandit where do you lean with that yeah i'm still in the uh two rock set and forget category um i just think it's hard to look outside of those top sort of three or four with gorn grundy darcy nick nat you know these are guys that are capable of scoring 120 really easily like they don't have to do a lot to have a massive influence on the game and that obviously is what scores your super coach points so um i'm still in that set and forget category um and the other argument for that as well is it gives you that other captaincy option as well so you know you may you may bring in another forward you may bring another defender if you start Bruce or someone like that at r2 but are they someone that you know you're going to be able to throw the vice captaincy on or the captaincy on when you're in a pinch um and you need to score a really solid captain score, you know, that's, I think you've got to factor that into your thinking as well, because guys like Gorn, Grundy, um, Sean Darcy last year as well, even potentially, um, you know, these are guys who are, you know, roll gold captaincy options. Um, when you're competing for, for overall ranking, you know, nailing your captain picks is, is crucial. So um, I'm still in that set and forget category. Does that answer your what, question, okay? Nearly, yeah. I, I'm, I'm leaning towards set and forget, but I'll tell you what, if Sherry was ruck forward, I reckon I'd start Proust. Yeah, that's a good so, call. Yep, mm. you could start. You could start Bruce at R two and have Sherry at R three. Yeah, yeah. It, just that lack of backup um, is really what worries me with Bruce, and we know he can go down with an injury at the blink of an eye. Why is Cherry a, a forward only? Was he was he really only playing forward in the VFL last year? Couldn't answer that. 
not. Yeah, I think he played, um, well, most of the game time that he played in the AFL last year, I think was mostly as a forward. You know, Goldie was still the number one ruck there at North and, and Sherry was sort of that that forward ruck backup that we've seen Proust sort of play in that, in that previous game. So I believe that's why he's just a forward only at this stage. Um, if, he, if he's the number one ruck at North, then he'll have ruck eligibility by round six. I don't think mm-hmm. that's going to be... In question, so you know and you could, Bruce, and Bruce will probably have it the other way around as well. Come correct, around. yeah. So you could even, um, you know, start a rookie at R three and then wait for Sherry to get um, ruck status at, at round at round six potentially. Um, but you'd obviously need to probably start um, Sherry in your forward line just to make sure you don't have to um, trade him in at, at an inflated price. Uh, Bandit, what's your big question for the pod? Yeah, my question's probably a bit broader than, than Nico's. It's probably around that 11 or, or 12 primo discussion. Um, you know, obviously, I, I probably had, I think, 12 primos we talked about on the pod last week. I had Dusty in my team, and I've since actually taken him out because I need to sort of find some some cash to pay up for these mid-price sort of rookies elsewhere. So, um, yeah, I think the, the general consensus in our group chat um, over the course of the last couple of days is that a lot of guys have sort of moved down from 12 or even 13 primos down to that. Um, 11 bracket just to try and show up the, you know, D4 to D6 and F4 to F6. So, um, yeah, Cogs is now my F3. Um, and I've just got Dunkley and, and Butters. And I think the forward line is probably where we're going to see um, the most amount of variety in terms of which um, which forward rookies we're going we're gonna to be picking um, across all super coach teams. I think that's probably where, where my uh, thinking lies at the moment. Nico, you are a big fan of having a set number of primos. You're currently running with 12, I believe. I do have 12, yep. Uh, Dugowie is probably the one uh, who's sort of in that 12th position who I'm kind of, you know, potentially, you know, could trade him to a Hewitt or something like that to free up some money, but yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one, and we keep saying you need to be dictated by the rookies, and I think that'll that'll be something that changes very much so in the lead-up to round one. Um, whether or not we're getting certain guys named or not is going to make a huge difference. Yeah, um, I think I think 13 is a pipe dream. I think there's absolutely no way, um, especially with the lack of, of 120, 117, you know, 102K rookie players. Um, we're paying inflated prices for these rookies. So I think 13, if you're trying to get there, just give up on that. Aim for 12. Um, that's... Yeah, that's what I would suggest. My big question for you two is, what on earth do I do with the D5 spot? I can't find anyone to fit it. I had Coleman. You talked me into Coleman, Nico. He's gone down. Um, what do I do? I've got, I'm looking at the moment at Heath Chapman from Frio, but I, I d- really don't feel good about it. I don't have the cash to get up to George Hewitt. Um, I don't want to take a pun on Lockie Jones from Port. What do I'm I do? Ignoring, I'm ignoring it for now. I've still got Sin sitting in my team, so... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, to be honest. I've got Hinge, Sin, and McCartan at four, five, and six. Um, I just really need to, I don't know, just read up on, on things. Hopefully someone comes out of the blue or puts their hand up or they say that Sin's going to definitely play round one. But, yeah, I think it's really, really a point of contention at the moment. There's really that – it's it's struggle to find, um, you know, that, that sort of player. Bandit, help me. Um, probably one that you could look at is he's under 200k is is Josh Gibkiss from from Richmond. He actually played a really um, solid game on the weekend. I'm just looking at his stats now. He had um, 13 disposals and scored uh, 65 Supercoach points, and he actually played 81 percent of the game. So um, yeah, they actually left him on for for long periods of time, which I think is is a positive. Um, the question I think I have around his role is. 
Um, we saw Richmond play um, two rucks on the weekend. So Nate Curtis and Soldo both played together. Uh, they also played Rewald and Lynch up forward and they had Robbie Tarrant down back as well. So um, I think really it's a question of where does he fit into that um, sort of tall player mix. If they're going to go with two rucks, I think, in the season, I don't think he's going to play because um, they'll also have Bolter roaming around as well who can play key forward, key back and also go for pinch hit in the ruck as well. So um, he's one to keep an eye on as well. Um, that time on ground, I think, is really important to keep an eye on for, for him because um, I think we'll definitely see him at some point. But, yeah, I think we've touched on the main ones already. Mitch Hinge, I think, looks like a, a decent option. The Crows are pretty pretty threadbare when it comes to, to sort of mid-options at the moment. So he's one that could roll through there. Um, and Paddy McCartan, as we mentioned, I think has played himself into the Sydney team um, pretty convincingly. So he's, he's one that I'd be throwing back there as well. Um, just quickly, Dylan Grimes has had surgery on his thumb to repair uh, a ligament injury, so that should help Gibkus with his yeah with his spot for round one. Well, thank you, boys. That's uh, that's helped me out a lot. Now, um, if you're a listener out there and you enjoy enjoy a punt, uh, let me recommend topsport.com.au, home of the best same game multi in the business, where the odds actually add up. Um, we're going to be previewing their markets throughout the season. Um, they've got. Some fantastic AFL options there. Um, use the code SC Playbook if you're linking up your account so that they know we sent you. It helps out the podcast no end. So use the code SC Playbook, 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. Now, boys, every week I set you the task to find me something that, that you like the look of on the top sport AFL markets. Um, we're getting actually really close to being able to have weekly markets to punt on rather than looking at futures. Um, Nico, where's your, where's your mind gone to this week in terms of future bets? Yep, so I had Nick Dacos last week at 440 for the rising star he's been crunching to 350 equal favorite so with that i'm looking to have a little saver on josh ward after his performance on the weekend so 11 dollars, 29 possession game 19 contested i know there's a couple as we um spoke about earlier with bandit to come back into their mids but if he continues to get a chance and continues to put up these numbers then yeah i'll have just a little saver on him for the for the rising star i like it a lot bandit where, where have you gone Geez, I got very nervous when you said Josh there, Nico. I thought you'd stolen my pick from under my nose, but I've actually played in the uh, Rising Star market as well. Josh Rochelle at twelve bucks, I think, is is way overs. Um, you know, I'm just looking at their market at the moment. They've got Jamara Hagen at nine, Finn Callahan at nine fifty, Braden Campbell at ten. I think those guys are, are a bit short, to be honest. Um, I don't think Finn Callahan's going to feature. Early in the season, um, Jamara Yugo-Hagen, I think, will be um, sort of in and out in terms of form. And Braden Campbell, you know, he obviously played very well on the weekend, but, you know, again, could could just find his performances to be a little bit inconsistent. I think Joshua Shelley's going to play every game. He's going to do some seriously mercurial things. We've already seen some really impressive stuff from him over the preseason. So I think 12 bucks is, is way over. If I was framing this market, he'd be... Um, He'd be probably pick three or four for me on this on this market. So uh, yeah, probably worth a couple of dollars just to see him uh, shorten in as the season goes on. I love it, Bandit. Um, I actually went. Uh, I watched the Port. I've seen two games of Port Adelaide now, and I haven't liked what I've seen. So I'm going Port Adelaide to miss the top four at a dollar seventy one. Um, and you can actually put that in a multi with Brisbane to make the top four at a dollar ninety. It gives you three dollars twenty four odds on those two. So yeah, haven't been re- haven't been that impressed with Port over this preseason. Um, I do want them to succeed, but I'm just not sure that they're, they've got it together this year. I think the the Paul hanging over Ken Hinckley might be enough to just to just drag them down a little bit. Um, 
Now, boys, every week we, we put up a Facebook post, an Instagram post and a Twitter post asking for some listener questions to come in. We love hearing from you guys out there and um, we've been lucky enough to get a few really good, insightful questions again this week. Um, Bandit, I want to start with you. I'm going to throw you this one from Corey Blackledge. Who is a good replacement for Coleman from Brisbane, Brody or McGovern? Now, I'm guessing he's, he's looking at his forward line here. Um, who do you like, Brody or McGovern or another option? Yeah, probably those two. I'd be leaning the way of Brody. I just think uh, midfielders tend to have that bit more consistent scoring um, throughout um, their Supercoach seasons. So um, Will Brody, his, his scoring capacity um, doesn't look to be an issue with obviously turning up on the weekend. Um, McGovern obviously has played, you know, hasn't put a foot wrong to be honest. I mean. We all sort of laughed when um, when he was recommended a few weeks ago and now all of a sudden we're all including him in our teams. But, um, yeah, I just think maybe his scoring will be a little bit more inconsistent than, than Brody potentially. So, um, yeah, those two, I think Brody's probably the pick for me. Uh, and I'd also be looking closely at Tristan Sherry as well. Like it. Um, Nico, I'm going to throw this second question to you. Jaden Barker wants to know your thoughts on Jack Lacocious as a point of difference. Don't like it. Don't like it one bit. So he's a he's a defender mid, but he's been flagged to play forward this year. I don't see how he's going to score uh, very well in that role. Uh, so he's a he's a big pass for me um, at this stage. Maybe one for you know as a draft option because he's got that flexibility um, you know in his position, but not for classic. No. Um, what did, have you got any thoughts on that one, Bandit? Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you guys. Just very hesitant to touch any sort of Gold Coast players this year. I think they're going to struggle as a team, and I think their super coach scores will be hampered as a as a result. Um, probably someone you'd maybe consider as a, as a bench option in draft, but definitely a, a pass for me in, in classic. Last one, yours. This is going your way, Bandit. Matthew, Broomer23 on Twitter, wants to know, thoughts on Cherry? We already touched on Cherry. And Answorth um, from the Brisbane Lions. And that's a name I haven't really heard much this preseason. Can you tell me anything about um, anything about Noah Answorth? Yeah, Answorth's really brought back into into contention at the Lions. Um, he's had a, a... Last year, I think he pretty much was struggling to walk from what I've sort of read. Um, he had some real issues with his groins over 2021. So... That pretty much wiped out his season last year, um, and now he looks to be, you know, fit and healthy and, and played a, a solid game on the weekend. Um, playing up on a wing, which is a bit higher than what we sort of came to see from him in his in his debut year when he was playing more more in the back line. So, um, you know, he's obviously someone that the VM mark that they can sort of push into the midfield now that his body's matured a bit more, which is which is positive. Um, my only knock on him is that you know with you know Neil Lyons Barry. Zorko to come back in, um, you know, points are going to be at a real premium in that Lions midfield. So that's probably the one question I have on on him. Um, he's in that sort of two to three hundred k range, and I just think there's probably a few better options that um, appeal with some more job security and also some better scoring potential. Yeah, two hundred forty six k defender only. Um, yeah, it's a tough range. It's it's an option though. It's it's good to have a few little defensive options as we were talking about earlier. Um, now, boys, I've I've come up with a new segment this week. Um, it's based on. Uh, some of my favourite podcasts over on the Ringer Podcast Network. They do this one often. Um, I want to know your hottest take, your spiciest, most controversial um, super coach take that uh, you think might get you in trouble potentially from the two of us. Um, I'm going to start with you, Nico. What's your hottest take? It's not that hot, to be honest, but with 13% ownership and Banda just touched on Gold Coast players and not going near them, Tuki Miller uh, is my hot take for the highest scoring points player this season. Ooh. So 
he's averaged 140 in wins last year. I reckon they're going to get a few more this year. They did that without a ruck last year. So Witsy coming back, give him a little bit of first use. I just think the way Tuke Miller has, has finished his year last year and the way he's gone and attacked that unofficial practice match as if it was, you know, a, a final, the way he plays, he's just gets to every single contest. He'll score really, really well. I think he's almost going to be a perma-captain for me. So, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's my man and that's where I want to go. I like it a lot. Gold Coast in action tonight, I believe, against uh, the Cats. So I'm, I'm very keen to see how he approaches that one. Um, Bandit, give me your hottest take. Yeah, I, I kind of struggled to come up with one, to be honest. I think we've, we've touched on a lot of the hot-button topics already. But um, the one guy that I sort of penciled in um, when the team picker first opened before Christmas um, from North Melbourne was, was Jai Simpkin. Um, I really like his profile. I think he's a really, really promising player. I think this is the year that he elevates himself and averages 110 across the season. Um, I think North are crying out for those ball winners, um, like Cunnington, who's obviously not going to be there to start the season. It brought Greenwood across, but you know Simpkins played nearly 100 AFL games now, averaged 97 last year. I think he's just primed to, to break out. And if, if we didn't have to include so many um, expensive rookies and mid-price options... I'd be seriously considering him at M6 in my in my team. I, I really like him as a as a super coach option. I just can't get him into my team at the moment. So, um, yeah, if he averages 110, I'll look like an absolute idiot for not including him in my team. But um, I think he's definitely one that you can keep an eye on as a as a breakout candidate. Don't don't read my team reveal then, because uh, I've got him as a clear avoid. And he's coming, he's coming off he's coming off a 39 as well on the weekend. So I don't know, Bennett. No, He's don't, uh, don't into the practice matches. We, <laughs> we, there's always players who just run around and, and tick a box for the medicos. He's probably it's one that, that he had to. He's coming. He's coming off of an interrupted preseason. He had a he had a cork, um, a corked quad or calf, I think, sort of three or four weeks ago, and missed the um, first sort of scratch match that North had. So um, he is coming off a little bit of an interruption, but I think by the time round round one rolls around, he'll be he'll be good to go. He's only 14k cheaper than Lockie Neal, which uh, which makes me a little nervous. I think if you were going to choose between Neal and Simpkin, you take Neal every day of the week. Now, boys, I want to run this past you. My hottest take, hitouts to advantage should not be weighted so heavily in Supercoach. They're worth five points. Sean Darcy played one of the mm. worst games of his career yesterday, finished up with 95 Supercoach points just because his 11 of his hitouts were to advantage. Now, I'd, I've played a bit of footy over my time. I do know that hitouts to advantage don't necessarily mean very much. Sure, it's great. It gives you a better chance, but clearances are just a, a shit fight anyway. There's no way to figure out. Who, there's no way they should be worth five points. Nico, what do you reckon? Yeah, look, I agree with you. There's there's probably a lot of instances where they get five points, they tap it to their to the guy and he gets tackled right away and it's another ball exactly. up. So, yeah, look, I see where you're coming from. Absolutely. That Darcy score blew my mind. Cause the way, yeah, he had eight possessions and four clangers. And- yeah. 40-odd dream team and then 97 or 95 super coach. So, yeah, look, I'll have to agree with you on that one. It's the kind of game that gives the uh, the dream team crowd a bit of ammo, doesn't it? Saying that voodoo super coach scoring. Yeah, and just on the other flip side is Nick Nat might struggle with, with hitouts to advantage having such a depleted midfield around him as well. So, True. Yeah. Band- am I, am I on the money there, Bandit, or am I barking up the wrong tree? No, I think, I think it's hard to disagree, to be honest. Yeah, I've, I mean... Yeah, you know, I'm just looking at his stats now. One one goal, eight touches. Um, yeah, it doesn't really scream, you know, ninety plus in, in Supercoach. So 
Um, yeah, if his name was Bontempelli, he might have scored 120. <laughs> well, thanks very much for your time this week, boys. That's about all we've got time for today. Ben, uh, sorry, Nico, I hope you're feeling a little bit better after this uh, the awful COVID diagnosis. Um, we'll see you again this next week. Bandit, thanks, thank Eddie. you for everything you've been doing this week. Um, some of your work on Twitter especially has been fantastic. I encourage people to go and check out the hard work you put into some of those stats. Um, thanks, boys. We'll see you this time next week. See ya.